This morning we will focus on what the Lord our God did and what he revealed about what he did on the second day of creation. Before we read from Genesis 1, though, I would like to read with you two passages from Scripture which speak about God's work with the expanse, the sky, also as we sometimes refer to it, the heavens. So first of all, Psalm 104, verses 1 through 4. Hear the word of the Lord our God. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty, who cover yourself with light as with a garment, who stretch out the heavens like a curtain. He lays the beams of his upper chambers in the waters, who makes the clouds his chariot, who walks on the wings of the wind, who makes his angels' spirits, his ministers, a flame of fire. Then let's turn to the New Testament, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We see here that also concerning the final glory of our salvation and our Lord's return, the clouds in the air have a special place in God's work. We read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning with verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we, who are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus, we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, Comfort one another with these words. And then let us turn to the first chapter of Holy Scripture, Genesis chapter 1. The focus of the preaching will be the verses 6 through 8. Let's begin reading, though, in verse 1 for context. So the text for the preaching, 6 through 8. But let's begin reading. With verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. 
Now God saw the light, and it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Then God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament, and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. So the evening and the morning were the second day. So far, the word of God. Brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, on the second day of that first week, that creation week, on the first day, the Lord made heaven and earth and he made water, a lot of water. We hear that in verse 2. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. How much water? Well, the waters are also called the deep. And that word expresses very powerfully just how much water, the deep of the water. On that first day, the Lord also created light and divided it from darkness. And so... The Lord our God on the first day made two things which are so important for us and for daily life. We need light. Creatures need light. Not only the plants and the trees, but also the animals and we. And we need water. Water is very important for life. And then, on the second day, the Lord creates the firmament, which he calls the heavens. Other times in scripture, it's described as the expanse. And that expanse, that the heavens, sometimes we refer to it as the sky, of course, includes air air that we need to breathe. And so you see how on these first two days, the Lord, our God, our Creator, is making things that are very, very foundational for life, for the creatures that he's going to make later on in that week. And as this morning we hear in more detail about what the Lord did on the second day, this should lead us in the first place to admire the beauty the wisdom with which the Lord has created all things, including the firmament, the expanse, the air, the atmosphere. But more than admiring the beauty, and and isn't that the way it is with creation? We look at the design of the Lord and we stand in awe. 
But above all else, as Psalm 19 reminds us, also the heavens are there without a single word to declare, and this is the ultimate thing. This, brothers and sisters, is the takeaway this morning. We ought to have, leaving this building, a deeper appreciation for the full extent of the glory of our God. He is majestic. He is full of splendor beyond what words can express. Now, as God's people in this world, as we hear about this from the scripture, as through the miracle of faith it becomes worked into our hearts and expressed in our lives, we do so in the midst of a world that has a very different understanding, a very different outlook. You know full well there is a lot of talk about the atmosphere, the sky, the air. And there's a lot of concern in this world about that. You hear it usually around this word climate change. Pollution, carbon dioxide, greenhouse gases, holes in ozone layers, these are the things that we hear about again and again in the news or through other means. And in concern about what God created on the second day, the firmament, the expanse, the world is living with a great amount of anxiety, even fear. And as we dig into this text, we need to be aware also because we are to stand as a light in this world to understand how the world thinks about the origin of the firmament, the expanse. You are probably familiar with the theory of evolution for human beings and other living creatures. How the teaching is started small and eventually got bigger and bigger. But did you know, brothers and sisters, that the world whether they're conscious of it or not, is also working with a theory of the evolution of the atmosphere. And that adds to their anxiety. You see, the teaching is, and it's not as common as the teaching about the evolution of human beings, but that the atmosphere itself changed from helium and hydrogen slowly over millions and millions of years became nitrogen and carbon dioxide, and then slowly over millions and millions of years became nitrogen and oxygen, the main components of the atmosphere as we have it today. And I just want you to think, brothers and sisters, when you have grown up, when a person in the world has grown up an unbeliever, and all they have ever been taught is evolution, not just of human beings, but of the atmosphere, that the atmosphere was changing over millions and billions of years, then you can understand some of the anxiety that the atmosphere is going to change again and become something that we cannot breathe and live in. And then when you understand what the world is working with in their minds and the anxieties of their hearts, then you have all the more reason in fact, you have all the more motivation to bring forth the truth and to also explain in the darkness of this world the light of what the Lord has revealed, how he created on one day, not millions, millions, one day, he created this atmosphere as it is and is still taking care of it today. That in and of itself 
is a good news that this anxious world needs to hear. And we as well. And so let us, as God's people, listen to in more detail what he reveals concerning his work on the second day. Our Father creates the atmosphere, the heavens, the firmament for us. And we're going to see in the first place how this was created by our Father to serve us, to surround us. And finally, even though right now what God created on the second day separates us in a certain way from God, one day we read it in 1 Thessalonians 4, that's going to change. Then God said, verse 3, sorry, verse 6, Then God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. What is exactly this firmament, sometimes described as the expanse? Psalm 104 that we read together gives us further insight through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. For there, the psalmist describes the heavens as that which was stretched out by God like a curtain. We also sang from Psalm 19. And if you read that psalm in scripture, you will see that the Lord set the expanse, the firmament, it says there, as a tabernacle, as a tent in which the sun can go its course. And with all of these different words, curtain, tent, stretched out, the Holy Spirit is unpacking, as it were, that word which is used, that comes from the mouth of the Lord on the second day, let there be a firmament. It literally means something which is stretched out and even thin. And normally when we think of the expanse, the firmament, the sky, the heavens. We think of something that is actually quite high. We stand here on earth and it stretches up and up and up. But if you compare it to the earth that the Lord made, it is actually thin. Children, you might be interested to know that if it were possible and you could take a large drill and drill right through the earth, of course that's impossible, but if you could, you would need a drill bit that is 13,000 kilometers long. That's a very, very large drill bit. 13,000 kilometers. But the atmosphere is only 13 kilometers. 1,000 times less. And you see, that's why the Lord, who made all of these things, he says, I stretched out like a tent. Like a curtain, the atmosphere around the world, it is by comparison actually quite thin. And it's stretched out around the entire globe. And yet, what the Lord did when he created the air that we breathe is truly, truly, brothers and sisters, a miracle. It's a miracle that we don't often think about as often as we really should. Because what did the Lord give us? Well, how did he make that to serve us? Well, of course, we say we need air to breathe. We need to fill our lungs, indeed. But do you see what the Holy Spirit highlights in Genesis chapter 1? Even though it's entirely true that the Lord made air for us to breathe, he actually highlights something different. The Lord said, let there be a firmament, this tent, this curtain of the atmosphere, in the midst of the waters. 
and let it divide waters from waters, waters above from waters below. So we can't even see it. We spend our time looking through the air rather than looking at it. But here the Holy Spirit says, one of the main ways that the Lord uses the firmament is to separate water. The water below we know, the oceans, the lakes, the rivers. The waters above are the clouds. And now consider the glory of our God, brothers and sisters. The Lord knows full well on the second day. He knew before the second and even the first day. He knew in his eternal plan what he was going to do. And he knew that on the third day he was going to create the dry land. And on that dry land he was going to create plants and trees and flowers. Right from the little blades of grass and the little patches of moss up to the trees that we sang about like the cedars of Lebanon. The Lord knows he's going to create all kinds of plants and trees, millions and billions of trees and plants. And the Lord knows that he is, later on in that week, going to create animals, living creatures, the little ones, the big ones, the ones that fly through the expanse, the ones that walk, the ones that creep along the ground, thousands and thousands of different kinds of animals and millions and millions, I'm sure even billions and billions of insects and birds and big creatures. And the Lord's going to create on the sixth day human beings, starting off with two. But the Lord said, be fruitful and multiply. And now look, we have billions, seven, eight, whatever the number is, billions of people on this earth. And what do every one of those blades of grass, what do every one of those big oak trees what to every one of those little insects? What to every one of those large, strong tigers? What does every human being that walks the face of the dry land need? They need a lot of water to drink and to wash. When we, as people, look for a place to live and make a town, make a city, we look for water supply. We go near a lake. We go near a river. We make sure there's a stream close by. We need water. But now think about it. How does the Lord design this so that the waters of the deep, the first day, will in due course be brought up onto the dry land so that the grass can be green and the oak tree can have water and you can pick up a glass and drink. The water is over there. We live over here on the dry land. And that's why the Lord said on the second day, let there be a firmament. Let there be a division between the waters below and the waters above. Because those waters above are going to bring water to all of those creatures living on the dry ground as the clouds come over and drop their rain. We don't think about it. We look at the, the, the weather 
It's going to be a sunny day. It's going to be a cloudy day. It's going to be a dry day. It's going to be a wet day, rainy. But the Lord set it all up and created it on the sixth day. And consider the glory of our God. When we as human beings, we want to move water from one place to another, how do we do it? Well, one day, one way, you can go to the waters below, go to a lake, a stream, a river, and you can fill up a bucket. And you can haul it to your house or wherever, haul it for the animals. You know that's a lot of work. It's water. It's very heavy. But in some parts of the world, and maybe if you go camping, depends how you camp, but you may need to haul water. It's not easy. And so, as human beings, we've, we've designed pumps and hoses and pipes and valves. And we have these huge systems that are hidden underground and in the walls of our house. And what are they doing? They're all moving water from one place to another place. And then the pipes leak and the valves get stuck and the pump doesn't work anymore. That's how we as human beings with our design savvy have come up with it. Either we haul it in a bucket or we pump it through a pipe. Consider the glory of God. A cloud up on the firmament is blown silently along by the winds, the jet streams, and God is moving water his way, the way that he designed and created on the second day. And here's something to appreciate how glorious, how powerful our God is. Children, when you see one of those white, puffy clouds up in the sky, looks like a big cotton ball, right? How much water does God have up in that cloud? Clouds are different sizes, but the big white cloud usually has about 600 tons of water. One white cloud. Maybe that doesn't mean too much to you. Let's convert it to equivalent of elephants. In one white cloud, there is the equivalent weight of about 100 elephants worth of water, silently, beautifully moving through the sky. The splendor of God. And what if that is not a white puffy cloud, but what if it's one of those dark clouds, dark gray, almost black, and you see it coming, and you know the rain, maybe even the thunderstorm, it's coming. How much water does God have in one good-sized black thundercloud? Of course, they're all different sizes, but on average, about 200,000 elephants weight worth of water in one black cloud. And it's all being carried along on what? Atmosphere, air. How does the Lord do this? How can so much weight of water be moved through the air so that it might make the dry land a little less dry? You see, 
This is what separates creatures from creator. We have all of our pumps and our valves and our pipes and just imagine that we would have to somehow water all of the trees, all of the animals in God's vast creation. We would never get, it would be such an engineering nightmare. And God says, let there be a firmament. And let there be a division. And let there be waters above in the clouds and waters below. And every time it rains, every time you see those clouds, brothers and sisters, think about the glory of your God. Think about how much greater, vastly greater, infinitely greater our God is than we small little human beings. That's one way that the Lord serves us, his children, through what he has created. And the Lord is faithful. And this, this world, and here's where we can bring the gospel, also the good news of Genesis to those around us. The world which is so concerned, and since they believe that the atmosphere has been changing for many, many years, they get all concerned and anxious. But look at the message you can present to them. God created on one day, and look at how the Lord is so faithfully making sure that the waters come, and that atmosphere is owned by God. He made it, he owns it, he keeps it, he protects it. And yes, life is complicated. And there's all kinds of things happening as creatures breathe. Some breathe in carbon dioxide. Others, like us, we breathe in oxygen. Yes, as we go about our work, some pollution goes into the air. But the starting point is the creator. And because it's his, yes, also as Christians, we do our very best to take care of also the atmosphere that he made. But not from anxiety, not from fear, brothers and sisters. We start with faith. Our Lord will take care of what he has created. We as his children, we as his servants, we take also care of that which ultimately is not ours, but his. But it gets even deeper and grander. For when the Lord said, let there be a firmament, let there be that tent of the atmosphere of the heavens stretched out around the globe. The Lord was also creating a protection for us, his people as well. You know, as human beings have been able to explore and discover things, also look up into the heavens and see the splendor of what God has created, particularly on the fourth day, the sun, the moon, the stars, and discovered also other planets, even other galaxies. Just the, the majesty of God just becomes greater and greater in our minds, at least it ought to. But then think back to that little stretched out curtain tent that the Lord made. You know, when you're camping, you may have a tent, or as it were, a curtain over you, and it's quite thin, it's very thin. But if it is really raining hard, and the tent is solid, of course, 
Then you appreciate what that thin layer does because it keeps you dry through the rainy night. Well, the Lord in creating the firmament was also protecting his people because if you check out the temperatures on other planets, Mercury, Venus, Mars, the children may learn about these things in their schooling. Well, so many of those planets, they're either so cold, minus 100, minus 175, minus 250 degrees, or they're sweltering hot, 300 degrees centigrade. Human beings can't live. If it gets to 40 degrees, we already are struggling, let alone 340. But the Lord created an atmosphere that protects the earth, protects the temperature. Oh, it can get quite hot in certain places. And it can get quite cold, North Pole, South Pole. But still, it's within enough of a range that the animals can live and the human beings can live as well. The Lord had this all worked out in what he created on the second day. And more than that, when our eyes go up into the heavens and we look at what the Lord has also placed in the heavens the fourth day, one of the beautiful things that we see, of course, is the moon. And maybe you have seen the moon, full moon, harvest moon was recently. And you know that the moon is not perfectly white. It has those gray patches in it. And when you've looked closer, maybe pictures from a telescope or so, you know that they're craters, they're dips. Why? Why does the moon have all of those craters, those dips in it? Well, it's because there are things that are going through space. They call them meteors. And when they hit the moon, they can create a crater. But what happens with the earth? The Lord said on the second day that there be a firmament. And he's still using that firmament to protect us. Because sometimes those meteors would come towards earth as well. And then they burn up in the atmosphere that the Lord created. And we stand at night. We're looking at the stars. And then one of the children says, look dad, look mom. There's a shooting star. Which is usually a meteor burning up in the atmosphere. Behold the gracious good glory of the Lord. We see the beauty quickly of a shooting star, but he's protecting us as people. And if the Lord is protecting our bodies, consider this, brothers and sisters. If he's protecting our bodies, from mediators zipping through space. Would he not also protect our souls? You see, here is how what God teaches about himself as creator also sheds light on God as our Savior. For just as the Lord designed the firmament, so he designs the days of our life. When you have those days where you wonder, why is the Lord shaping up my life in this way? Take a look at the heavens, declaring the glory of God. Trust him. Trust him. He knows what he's doing. 
And when you feel the, the attacks of the flaming arrows of Satan coming at you from this direction, coming at you from this direction, look up at the sky at night and see that meteor. If the Lord protects the globe and those who dwell on it from the mediators, from the meteors, with his atmosphere, would he not so much more protect you, his children, from the flaming arrows of the devil? Yes, he will. And he will step by step, your creator and Psalm 19, your redeemer. He will use all things in his power and within his creation to lead us to the day when these clouds that God created on the second day are going to have the most glorious task that they've ever had. And that's why we read from Psalm so from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 as well. Think of it. Generation after generation, God has sent the clouds to give water for life. No water, life can't go on for very long. But the Lord gives those clouds that glorious task. Bring the water, bring the water. But one day, they're going to bring not just water. They're going to bring him who gives living waters, the Gospel of John. The one who said, if you drink of these waters that I give, you will never thirst again. Jesus Christ, as the farmer looks up in the blue sky on a hot, dry summer, and he looks brothers and sisters, and he yearns to see those clouds forming on the horizon. He's looking for the waters that will bring life to the crops. So let us together as God's people, like farmers, look to the sky, looking for that cloud, not just clouds, but that cloud, which Psalm 104 is the chariot cloud. The chariot cloud of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He who gives not life merely, but life everlasting. He's coming. He's coming. And those clouds which God created on the second day are going to receive the most privileged task that they've ever had in all of history. And that is to bring the Lord Jesus, and not only the Lord Jesus, did you see that on Thessalonians 4? This is part of the hope that we look forward to. Read it once more. Then we who, alive, we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. Who's that them? That them is the Lord Jesus and all of those, both young and old, whom he has redeemed in his grace, but who have already gone on through the portal of death to eternal life. And the Lord Jesus is going to come with them. And these among them are our loved ones who have died and whom we grieve, but not without hope. For we look to the clouds, 
the Lord Jesus Christ will come with all our fellow saints. And we, if we're still alive and we're still on this earth at that time, we who are alive and remain shall be caught up with them. Where? In the clouds. To meet the Lord, but with the Lord also all those who are his own. And where will be the rendezvous point? In the air. We won't stay there. We will go on to the new heavens and the new earth. Do not worry. We will go on to the new Jerusalem. But the rendezvous point, the meeting point, is exactly what God created on the second day. We will meet the Lord in the air. You ask, how exactly will that be? That is too splendorous. That is too glorious. My mind, our minds are too small to fully imagine that. But we hear what we hear. We will meet the Lord in the air, en route to New Jerusalem. And thus we shall be with the Lord and all his redeemed people forever and therefore comfort one another, it says with these words. Comfort with also the gospel that stretches forward to the hope of the return of Jesus Christ right from Genesis 1, verse 6 through 8. Brothers and sisters, these words of God, even as Psalm 19 says, teach us the glory of God, which also is a glory we may one day share. Be comforted. Be encouraged. Go forth with this truth. Also share it with those who need